Hi y'all, it's Mella with Bell Book and Candle. This is my very first podcast, so I'm super excited to go ahead and get this going. What I thought I'd talk about just for the very first podcast is um, general paganism, because I'm assuming that if you're listening to me, you either are a pagan or you're interested in learning more about paganism uh, witchcraft that sort of thing not that being a pagan and a witch are the exact same things which we will talk about so I thought I'd just give a little basic talk here so many people who talk about their experience of becoming pagan they use the words coming home Many people feel like when they discovered paganism, they finally fit in. And others feel like it's a journey about doing something new or something different. So I I wonder if you are pagan, what was your experience of becoming pagan? Why did you become pagan? Um, Was it an easy transition? For me, it was a very long transition. I grew up in a very fundamental evangelistic church cult really but it was um, very um, very much controlling and I was told what I was supposed to believe I had to act a certain way I had to really fit in that mold um, and and I, it just I tried um, and something just wasn't quite right and I didn't realize that till in my late 20s, early 30s. So it took me a good while. I know a lot of young people are finding paganism. They're finding this um, different spiritual path early. And that's so amazing because I really believe in the power of spirituality, regardless of what it is. I'm very much interfaith. As long as you can uh, appreciate and honor other people's paths, then I honor yours. Uh, I love the idea. There's a quote that says that everybody is trying to get to the top of the mountain, creating their own path to the top of the mountain. The only people who aren't getting to the top of the mountain are the ones running around the bottom telling everybody else that their path is wrong. That speaks to me a lot. So let's talk about um, paganism. So just like, let's say, Christianity has denominations, paganism has traditions. One of the largest traditions in paganism is Wicca. So a lot of times when people hear that you're pagan, they automatically assume that someone is Wiccan. So think about every pagan um, is not Wiccan, but every Wiccan is pagan as the same sort of thing. It's like saying not every Christian is Baptist, but every Baptist is Christian. So don't just assume that just because someone identifies as a witch or they identifies as pagan, that they are Wiccan. Because I know I'm not Wiccan, um, and I have a lot of pagan friends who are not Wiccan. So paganism is this massive umbrella term that describes a lot of different earth-centered religions and earth-centered spiritual paths. So this pagan umbrella can cover some very diverse traditions like Wicca, which we just talked about, and 
Within Wicca, you have different traditions and types as well, like Gardnerian, Alexandrian, Dianic, Fairy. And then you have animism, shamanism, um, an eclectic family traditions, Satru, Celtic traditionalism, Druidism, Strega, Santeria, Vudown, Hoodoo. You have heathens, you have ceremonial magic, mystery traditions, you have solitaries, and all kinds of blended paths, such as a Judeo-Paganist, or a Christo-Paganist, Buddhist-Paganist. So it is this umbrella term, and that's just the, the little bit that I said. There's so much more. The thing with paganism, as opposed to other kind of religious umbrellas, like Christianity is an umbrella with a lot of denominations under it and beliefs under it. The thing with paganism is as an umbrella um, spirituality, there is no central religious body or standardized dogma. And dogma is your belief system. So if someone ever tells you to be a pagan, you have to do such and such and such and open with a circle and that sort of thing, that's just not right. The first memory I have of anything pagan was when I was about 10 years old, back in the early 60s, when my mom told me about how women put menstrual blood in the men's drinks to bind them to you and keep them from cheating on you. And I thought that was really weird. Y'all, that was my mom's first pagan memory. And that's a doozy. Good morning. My first pagan reference in general culture was when I was really young watching a movie called Witches of Eastwick with my mom. Um, I remember watching this movie and being in awe at these three ladies that come into their power and realize that they are all witches. And it just, it really blew my mind to think that you could have that level of control of not only your own life, but um, on how things interact in the world. And that just, that always really was something that I wanted to have. My question that I'd ask was, in, in what ways has um, paganism influenced movies or music, commercials, consumer products, businesses, and other religions? Um, specifically, can you remember the very first pagan reference or idea that you encountered in the general culture? So I appreciate Anne-Marie answering that question for me that you just heard. So as we continue to talk about paganism, you're going to hear um, some more comments from Anne-Marie and some others. Um, but let's talk about witches. So not all pagans are witches, but some are. Some are witches and they just choose to not use that term because it has such a derogatory um, kind of feeling about it. I didn't use it for a long time. In fact, me saying I'm a Southern witch is kind of a scary thing. And it's something that I had to get really comfortable with. Um, and even in certain groups of people, I wouldn't normally just say that. So I've had to kind of 
take my own power, empower myself to take back the negativity around that term and say, yeah, hell yeah, I'm a witch. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that is my path. And that's what I'm going to do. But there are some people who are not doing that. And that's perfectly fine. They have their reasons. They are witches. They will tell you in secret they're witches, but they don't call themselves that out in public. That's fine. Now, not all witches are pagan. And that's definitely something to think about. There is a very strong Christian witch movement. And I've even heard the term Jew witch. I know personally some atheist witches who practice magic, but they don't ascribe to any particular deity. Um, witchcraft can be used beside another religion or a spiritual path because witchcraft is about magic. It's, it's like a skill set. To me, witchcraft is not a religion. It's something um, that you do as a skill set alongside another spiritual path, which for me is paganism. So whether you officially call yourself one or not, if you are using magical spells, if you're using magical ritual in your spirituality, to me, that's the definition of a witch. You just don't have to call yourself that. It's a very active type thing. That's why it's called craft. Craft is active. So let's hear from Anne-Marie about what happened at her very first ritual. My first ritual was kind of a mess. It was a protection spell for my friends and family and I stumbled through the whole thing and I was very nervous and unsure and at the end of it I did feel like I had accomplished something and I was very proud that I had taken that step but when I first started I was very very nervous and it happens you stumble you misspeak you um you stutter or you accidentally light something on fire that you didn't mean to but at the end of the day it's all intentions I really love that Anne-Marie said that it's all about intentions because that's something that I teach a lot. You don't have to have special fancy things to do it. It's all about intention. Um, and I think that is one of the stumbling blocks that a lot of new pagans or new witches um, come into because they buy a book and it has all these fancy ingredients and you need this and that and, and this fancy tool and that fancy tool. And then so they close the book and say, I can't afford all that. I don't know how to get all that. I don't know how to get frankincense and myrrh and a hawthorn tree uh, branch on the full moon of you know, whatever. And so they don't do it. But it's about intention. And I tell people all the time, okay, you don't have a cauldron? Get your bowl out of the kitchen and use a bowl. What, you don't have a fancy athame? That's okay. Get your butter knife out of the kitchen. Uh, get whatever you have around you because it is about intention. Now, I'm all about ceremonial magic, ceremonial ritual, but I also do everyday magic. Every part of my life is my pagan path. And it's not all fancy. And yes, yeah, sometimes you stumble through it and sometimes you you uh, catch something on fire, like Anne-Marie said. And 
You just do it because life isn't perfect. Nature's not perfect. Nature's beautiful and you can learn a lot from nature, but there's there's things that happen and it's the natural flow and you learn as you go and you don't need to compile all these fancy herbs and um, magical flowers and, and powders and ingredients and tools to start using magic and to start following your spiritual path and to have a ritual or to go out under the full moon. You don't have to have any of that. It is all about intention. That's very important. So one of the things that I wanted to just mention briefly as we talk about paganism is the fact that a lot of people think that all pagans are polytheists. Now, polytheism is where you worship many gods. That's a very basic definition. And so kind of the monotheism is taken out of the picture. Pantheism is taken out of the picture. That's actually incorrect because you can actually find monotheism. Now, monotheism is rather rare in paganism, but you can find it. And you can definitely find pantheism. I'm a pantheist. And monotheism, of course, is when you have the one um, deity, one um, god or goddess or whatever it is that you have. Pantheism, and I'm going to do a, a podcast on pantheism because it's just, it's, it's how I see the divine, the world, that sort of thing. But pantheism is you believe there's like an overarching divine energy, the universe, source, whatever you want to call it, this divine energy that has been broken up into aspects. So while a polytheist would call um, the Morrigan uh, a goddess or a multitude of goddesses, a pantheist sees that as an aspect of the bigger kind of source energy. Um, where a polytheist would say, okay, we have a god of the sun, a god of thunder, this, that, um, and, and, and other gods and goddesses. A pantheist like me would say, okay, we have the aspect that controls wind. We have the aspect that controls the sun. And the human brain kind of had to break down this whole huge energy into different aspects to kind of understand it so that our brains would understand it. We'll talk about that. If you have um, ideas, comments about that, please let me know. Um, I am just honored to be able to chat about this sort of thing, about my beliefs, and, and I'm interested in your beliefs as well. And it's okay if it's not the same as mine. I was totally fine. So while I said earlier that there are um, isn't a dogma around paganism. There's so many different beliefs. I do want to talk about two very important beliefs of paganism that you're going to find in just about all um, pagan traditions. And a lot of what I'm talking about comes from a book that I have right in front of me. I think it's a wonderful book and it's called Paganism, An Introduction to Earth-Centered Religions by Joyce and River Higginbotham. Um, this is a wonderful book if you're interested in uh, just paganism in general and beliefs and view of deity and that sort of thing. So you're not going to find rituals and spells and things like that in here. It's more about paganism as a religion or spirituality. I highly recommend 
Paganism, An Introduction to Earth-Centered Religions by Joyce and River Hickenbotham. So the two important beliefs of paganism that I wanted to talk about are interconnectedness and blessedness. So interconnectedness is the belief that every part of the universe is connected. So it, um, it relates to the universal law um, of connection, of the fact that we are all connected. We are all part of something bigger. So there's a connection of inanimate and animate. It's far greater than what we can see or feel. And this belief of interconnectedness allows us to interact with the universe. Uh, and it allows us to interact with the divine, however you see it, uh, as a co-creator. And that's how we create magic. And sometimes you might see this referred to as the re-enchanting of the world. So interconnectedness is very important to witchcraft to paganism um, and that's kind of, that's how the magic happens and then blessedness is a belief that all parts of the universe are blessed or sacred so in its very nature we see this sacredness the set apartness and it's important because it shows that there's not anything wrong with the universe is it perfect well no you know, things happen. There is a cycle to life. When we look at things in our brains, we don't say, oh, that tree is perfectly symmetrical or that tree has no disease at all or never get a disease. No, things happen. Things happen. But it's still sacred. It's still set apart. And we are sacred. We are blessed people. There's nothing wrong with the universe or with you. And it makes us very different from many religions because pagans don't normally believe that we are sinful from the time we are born, that we are flawed. We aren't spiritually damned because of this heavy burden of sin upon us. We are born with the tools and the gifts and the skills necessary to live ethical and spiritual lives. Nothing in paganism is meant to save someone from a corrupt nature, a eternal hell, or damnation. And a lot of world religions teach that there is something flawed in us and that we have to really work to correct those flaws to reach their religion, salvation, or enlightenment. And this isn't just Christianity. We have been ingrained with the idea of separateness of the universe and the wrongness in us that sometimes we don't even know that this is coloring our beliefs and our actions, our spiritual practices. Now, this does not mean that we should not raise our vibration, if, if you want to term it that way, or improve ourselves. But saying that our ability to make bad choices ultimately comes from a flawed and broken nature is not really what I believe paganism is all about. So we're all connected. Every aspect of the universe from the rock you find on the ground, the leaf on a tree, the butterfly, the mountain, the stars, the universe itself, we are all connected. So here's a few other ideas or beliefs that can connect traditions of paganism. So paganism can be claimed as a religion, although I call it my spiritual path. 
Um, but like other religions, pagans are trying to answer questions like, what's the meaning of life? What happens after death? Is there a god or goddess? How do we interact with the universe? And pagans will gather together in groups or circles or covens or churches or groves, groups of some sort. But they usually don't actively proselytize. Um, they're not usually evangelistic. We're not out there trying to grab people and ch totally change their ideas. There aren't really many, if any, pagan missionaries. So we're not holding tent revivals and trying to gain converts. In fact, most people don't even consider that they themselves converted to paganism. It was more that slow realization that the title just fit. It fit what they realized that they believed. And pagans have clergy that perform weddings and funerals and baby blessings and all those types of rites of passage. We observe holidays and celebrations. Our holidays often follow dates that mark the change of seasons or are seasonally important. And that's why a lot of um, pagans will call themselves earth-centered. Paganism is modern. It's new. We've borrowed concepts and practices from many different spiritualities, including those that don't exist any longer. But most paganism is pretty modern. Um, there, we're going to talk about neo-paganism, paleo-paganism um, a little later. But most paganism would be considered neo-paganism and has been in existence um, using beliefs from ancient times, but since about the 60s or so. Um, paganism has no central hierarchy or dogma, so individual traditions may have internal structure or specific beliefs, and some pagan pasts may have a specific ethnic focus. Um, some have an eclectic or blended practice, making every single person unique. Spiritual diversity is celebrated, and most pagans wouldn't want all pagans to believe the exact same things or practice the same way or be organized by a central governing body. And paganism stresses personal responsibility or personal sovereignty. You're responsible for your own damn self. You're responsible for your own spiritual practice, your beliefs, your ethics. Dana Eiler said, some religions are a restaurant. You sit down and they bring you what they're serving for dinner. Paganism is a buffet. If you want to eat, you have to get off your butt and serve yourself. I love that. Our sovereignty is empowering. You not only have to decide what you believe, but you have to take responsibility for your own actions. You decide who or what deity is for you, and then you develop that relationship with that deity. So it really offers a different worldview. It incorporates all kinds of new perspectives from science, from metaphysics, mysticism. We see every bit of the universe from an atom to the planetary system as having its own consciousness or spark of intelligence. And we believe that this living universe can actually communicate to us on some level. And we can communicate and cooperate with it for certain ends. We call this magic. Magic is a natural process. It's about communication. It's about prayer, ritual, meditation, inspiration, miracles. It's a process. 
and it is all about communication. Now, let's talk about magic with a K, magic with a C, and magic with a CK. You can call it whatever you want. Basically, magic, and I'm saying magic with a CK at the end, um, began to be used to differentiate between the magic with a C of stage magicians. But there are some who just use a K at the end as well. So I talked about paganism being a religion, but it can be a spirituality. And you can say, uh, I, I don't follow a religion. I believe that, for example, Wicca is a religion under the paganism umbrella. I'm not religious. It doesn't matter what umbrella it comes under. I'm going to be on my spiritual path. I don't want anybody telling me exactly what I need to believe and exactly how I need to do ritual or anything else. So for me, it's a spiritual path. It's a way of living, of praying, of connecting to the universe. It's how I see um, the nature of the divine and it's how I develop a relationship with the divine. So the practices are varied and really any activity could be considered part of your pagan spiritual path. And most pagans um, believe that our consciousness does survive death. There's lots of different afterlife beliefs. Some believe in reincarnation, um, but basically our physical existence is pushing our consciousness into the world of matter, and then our death draws it back into other dimensions. And also, paganism is protected by law. In, in the United States, at least for now, we can hold and practice whatever we choose for our religion. We're protected by the First Amendment and various civil rights acts. And even pagans in the military can practice on military bases and have chaplains. So that's an amazing, amazing thing that we can do that. The first pagan that I met was actually a friend of mine that I grew up with. Um, we met when we were 10 years old and I was very nervous because I came from a Baptist background and she was everything that I wanted to be. She was wild and outgoing and loved being outside and playing and wasn't afraid to get dirty and just spend time with the animals. And I had never seen someone talk to plants before, so that was very interesting. But even at that young age, I had to shake the idea that I had that pagans were bad and scary. And she helped me do that. The first memory I have of doing a pagan ritual was with my daughter when she was learning about being a druid. We did a full moon ritual releasing uh, things from our life. We wrote it down on a piece of paper and then we held it under the moon and then we burned it and then we buried the ashes in the garden. And I could notice with the weeks following that I felt better because it was it was released. So the term pagan has an interesting um, etymology. So I am not a Latin scholar, so I don't know if I'm saying it right, but pagan comes from the Latin word paganus, which means country dweller. So you could even 
take it to mean the hick from the sticks. People that held out in the country um, to their customs, their beliefs, and this term was um, created to call them this as a derogatory term. So it's almost like here in the South, we call, we call people rednecks. And that's a derogatory term. And people are taking that back and being proud of that. But it, it, it really was, it's like that. It's like, oh, there's rednecks that live out in the country. And so it was taken to mean something different. Um, and then during the Crusades, the Christians called Muslims pagans. And then later the Protestants and the Catholics called each other pagans. So eventually being pagan meant someone that had no religion. And it was really used as a derogatory term. So the word was adopted by the pagan movement. And with time, some of the stigma has lessened in some parts of the world. It's, it's a label really. And a lot of people don't like labels and they don't want to use it. And they have other other words. And this is just like what we talked about with the term witch. So you'll find um, people who would be under the umbrella pagan that they don't use that term at all. And so they would use terms like African traditional spirituality or native spirituality or Celtic spirituality, heathenry, earth-centered spirituality, elder faith the old religion, that sort of thing. And really, in all honesty, um, the correct word might be neo-pagan. We talked about that briefly um, in the last little segment. Since originally pagan was an ancient, tribal, and normally a pre-Christian culture that's mostly extinct, a lot of social scientists, as well as many pagans, now prefer the word neo-pagan. So the famous author and druid Isaac Bonowitz went a bit further. He said that there was also paleopaganism, and these were the original tribal faiths of Europe, Africa, Asia, the Americas, um, Australia. A few survived like Hinduism, Taoism, Shintoism. And then we have Mesopaganism, which is the recreation of the paleopagan systems. And a lot of times they have a Judeo-Christian influence like Freemasonry, Theosophy, Vudan, Centuria, Sikhism. And then we have the Neo-Paganism, which are beliefs that were created um, with the best aspects that they could come um, out of Paleo-Paganism, but they're blended with modern ideal modern new age um, ideals. So these are beliefs that were created from basically the 1960s and just used a lot of the aspects of paleo-paganism. It's really up to you if you are a pagan, what you call yourself. Um, for the sake of this podcast and as we go forward along with Bell Book and Candles, various podcasts, I will use pagans and what I normally mean would be paleo um paganism or um, neo-paganism, depending on what I'm talking about. So are you a pagan and how um, does that feel in your life? What does it mean for you to be a pagan in your life? I'd love to hear from you. 
Um, you could send me a message. You could um, send me an email. Um, I would love to hear from you about that. But I asked some people a few other questions. And um, one of the questions that I asked was, um, what has been your most rewarding experience in paganism so far? So let's see what people had to say. My most rewarding experience um, with paganism so far was the first time that my group, the Sacred Well, got together and celebrated a holiday together. It was really great to see people that were scared to be part of a large group, overcome that fear, and come together. And now we are really great friends, and they are an essential part of my life. And that is a priceless gift that paganism has helped bring into my life. So that really was just a crash course and a little bit of, of what is paganism? What's it all about? What are its beliefs? And I hope that that has um, given you a little bit of encouragement if you are wondering, oh my goodness, how can I do this path? I don't have all this fancy stuff. I don't know what I believe. Just forge forward and it's okay. Intention is key. And you don't have to have anything fancy. You don't even have to know what you believe about every single thing. You just have to have this feeling that you are connected and that nature and the world around you is the sacred thing that you want to communicate with. That's the basics. That's how I feel. It's how a lot of people that I know feel. And I hope that that is super encouraging to you. So my um, last question that I had asked was if you could talk to a new pagan or a baby witch, which some of you may be, you may consider yourself a baby witch or a baby pagan, what would be the um, best advice that you could give them? So let's see what advice we can get for our baby witches. I always tell new pagans or people that are interested in paganism the same thing when they're starting out. Find something that interests you, whether it's divination or spell work or meditation, whatever the practice is, find something that sparks interest for you and research that. And that will lead you to starting to build your own practice that you can constantly be studying and evolving throughout the course of your path and I honestly just tell everyone research everything and write everything down. Based on my own journey I found that I had to trust my own heart to what I believed and what felt safe for me. I believe if you use your intuition and other spiritual gifts you will find your path. It is your journey, so don't let anyone tell you how to walk it. Be true to yourself and know it is a journey, so enjoy the process. And it is a process. Don't rush it. Thank you all so much for listening to this very first podcast. 
And I just want to invite you, if you want to follow me on Facebook, you can find me at Bell Book Candle SC. Um, I also have a Patreon. If you want to um, support me in that way, and they start out at a dollar a month, so very easy to do. You can find me on Patreon and become a patron at Bell Book Candle. And through Patreon, we have a great Discord chat. So if you are into Discord and you want to join my Discord chat for Bell Book and Candle, I'd love to have you. So y'all be blessed. thank all y'all that sent in messages answering the questions. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Your names are listed in the introduction.